Good morning, everyone. It truly is good to see you here to worship. Thank you, Damian, for those songs and Mike for the devotional. Appreciate it. Uh, thinking about truth this morning, I just told somebody yesterday, it, if you, you're following the news, why you can? I read something and I'm like, oh wow, that's, I'm, I felt like I learned something, and then I read on, and you don't have to go too far until something totally contradicts what I just read, and it's like, okay, what? How is this? What? What is truth? In late January of, uh, of this year, Marion and I, after a lot of years of discussing, January is generally our slower month, and for a long time we said, we ought to, we ought to get away, just go rest, go do something, and, and so this January we finally did it. We went to Florida and uh, read books and were lazy for a week and a half or something like that, and never dreamt that we would come home and, and uh, in the very near future have about two and a half months of rest. <laughs> we probably wouldn't have went on vacation if we would have had any idea of what lie ahead in the, in the very near future. And I, I want to reflect a little bit this morning on, on what we've all been experiencing and think about some of those things. But before I do that, I want to... Uh, I, if, I know you're all like me. We've been very distracted the last two and a half months by the pandemic. We're, we've been very distracted, and, and uh, Leanne announced this morning that we have an ordination coming up at Myerstown, and there was a, a month ago we weren't sure, can we have it, can we not have it, and it looks like we'll be able to have the ordination. And I believe that it's uh, very, very important that we are prepared and that we're not distracted and suddenly... Uh, it comes to time to receive nominations for, for this ordination. And so uh, I just want to talk about that just a little bit. I put a, a pamphlet in each one of your mailboxes. You've probably, many of you have read it before. Our congregation prepares for an ordination. Take it home, read it, think about it. Uh, has a lot of scriptural references in there and some verses in the pamphlet. Uh, it's, this is a very important work calling a minister to serve here at Myerstown, and we, uh, we receive nominations from you, our congregation, and so it's the voice of the church. We are calling a leader from among ourselves, so it's important that we are in prayer, that we're thinking about it, and we're prayed up, and we, we, uh, that we don't let this thought process and the praying until the last minute. We, I, hopefully we've been doing it already, but my, my plea is don't be distracted by this uh, situation we find ourselves in. And uh, let's make sure that we are prepared to give nominations and to call a minister from among ourselves. I also, the fact sheet, I believe it was January, that I handed them out. If you didn't get one, they're in the back in the mailboxes in the bottom right uh, mailbox. There's a bunch of fact sheets. Take one that has the process laid out very clearly in how it's going to be done. Just a, a bit of history for some of you history buffs. I was, I don't know why, a week ago, I started thinking about uh, more about the ordination and I was thinking, how many, how many ministers have served at Myerstown? You know how old, Myerstown is gonna be 77 years old come Ascension Day, which is Thursday. Uh, be our 77th anniversary, if you will from starting over at Millbach, 77 years old. 
So this minister ordination, what's it going to be? How many ministers will, will have served at Myerstown? And I just went back, looked over the history, and I, I couldn't have said, could have guessed maybe, but this will be the 12th minister called to serve the congregation that started 77 years ago at, at Milbach. And uh, four of them left. Four of them retired or either passed away. Uh, I think there's only one that passed away, Noah Burkholer, who was the first minister, I believe, passed away while he was, while he was serving. And that would have been Millie Diffenbach's uh, grandfather. And three of us continue to, to serve. So there's been 11. We're looking for the 12th minister to serve the Myerstown congregation. Be in prayer about that. And I suppose that Elta probably remembers every one of the 11. Maybe Anna Mary. I don't know, but uh, I'll bet there's not maybe one or two more. James Landis. I don't know, but not many of us would remember all of them going back to 1943. Six, when Noah Burkholer was the first minister ordained for Myerstown. Okay, for a message this morning, I've entitled the message, The Elephant in the Room. And oftentimes, when, when you hear that phrase, if you've probably most of us are familiar with that phrase, uh, when you think about an elephant being in the room, it's, uh, it's something that is very big, it can't be ignored. But most times when we use that phrase, it's used in the, in the context of there's an elephant in the room and nobody's talking about it. No one's talking about it. There's, there's this obvious thing, but no one's talking about it. And this pandemic, I have, uh, sometimes I, I, I get weary of it and I don't even want to think about it and I can isolate myself at home and, and then I don't have to drive down the road very far until I see people wearing masks and it's, there it is, it's back, it's, it's here. Last Sunday, our first Sunday back, worshiping together after church, it was like, uh, every, it's, what everybody, it's what we were all talking about. And we just have a lot of, uh, we're discussing how it has affected our lives and, and this type of thing. And so it's, it's uh, there is an elephant in the room. It's, it's this pandemic and we are aware of it but we're, we're talking about it too. We're thinking about it. And I wanna just share some thoughts this morning and some of the things that uh, I have been thinking about. One of the things that I, I believe is a reality is that quarantine fever is setting in. You, you know what cabin fever is? Cabin fever is when you're, you, you just gotta get away. You gotta get out. You're tired of just being in the cabin. And you're starting to read a lot about it and it's very obvious that quarantine fever is setting in and people are, I believe Apple said a couple weeks ago already that uh, they can track where cell phones are going and the traffic has like doubled in two weeks time. It's people are just are, are going away again. But this is, we've, it's been, uh, it's very, very interesting what we've been experiencing and, and I, uh, up front, I wanna say that uh, I believe that it's real. There is a flu. There is a virus and it's real and uh, many people have, have died from it. Many people have been infected with it. I'm not, I'm not denying that it is real. And at the same time, I believe that uh, there has been maybe an, a, an overreaction from a lot of people and a lot of fear that is maybe uh, unfounded and that type of thing. Uh, one of the things that, that this has taught me is that uh, 
I'm 61 years old and never experienced anything like this. And it's like, I have to keep pinching myself to say, is this real? Is this really happening? 15 years ago, approximately, Marion and I were in Asia, and some of you can relate to this. Uh, for the first time in my life, I seen lots of people in the public wearing masks. And I'm like, what is this? It's just, it's like, when you see a mask on a person, it's like, you think illness, sickness, something's wrong. And for the first time, I'm seeing it out in the public. You go to a store, and there's, there's maybe 20% of the people wearing masks or something. And, and it was like every day. And it's like, oh, well, the, the pollution, the explanation was that there's great pollution and smog here in, in, uh, in Thailand. And, a lot of, and the cancer rate is through the roof. Lots of people get cancer because of it. And so people... And a lot of young people want to protect their lungs and their health, and so they wear masks when they're out. So it makes perfect sense, and it's understandable why, why people would do that. But never, Myerstown, Pennsylvania, experienced uh, going to Dutchway grocery store, and everybody has masks on, and they, you can't go in the store without wearing a mask. And so uh, just a, something I... Never would have dreamt that, that we would, would see here. We're living under strict stay-at-home orders. Schools are closed. Graduations are canceled. Weddings are all iffy. Uh, Ted's engaged to be married next month, and, and I felt so sorry for him. They're, they're like, what, what can, we, can we get married? We can't even get a marriage license. And they finally got one last week, after, and that was a take a half an hour to explain how complicated that was to get a marriage license to get married and just all kinds of things like that. There's a friends of ours in Canada said there was a wedding recently where the bride's mother could not be there. They were limited to five people. And so it was that, that they had a wedding with five people. Bride's mom was uh, not able to be at the wedding and all kinds of things like that happening. Uh, so many disappointments with graduations being canceled and, or going online and that type of thing. Farmers are dumping food, killing chickens, and yet you go to the store and there's limits on how much you can buy. And, and there's explanations for all of it. Uh, packing houses are closed because people had the virus and this type of thing. But the whole food, food chain supply is just out of whack. And it's like to try and get your mind around all of this is, is very difficult. One of the one of the most difficult things that, and not that it was a hardship necessarily, but uh, I kept pinching myself and saying, I can't get a haircut. Every, every four weeks, for most of my life, I go to the barber, same barber, I sit in the chair and he gives me a haircut. Uh, Larry Riddle, every, every, here I go. I have appointments stretched out for the year. This is, I go for a haircut. Shows up on my phone, works pretty nice. He, he I can't give you a haircut, okay. I'm all right. Next month comes around, can't give you a haircut. After a while, it's getting, it's like, okay, what's going to happen here? Well, Marion's not a barber. And, uh, and the, but I keep pinching this, you know, and it doesn't go away. You wake up and you look in the mirror, I can't get a haircut. But you can get your dog groomed, but I can't get a haircut. So... On Friday, the first day that our county went yellow, I snuck away, way off in the hills somewheres, to a lead that my daughter gave me. She said, this person will give you a haircut. 
and she did a nice job. She gave me a haircut, charged me half of what my barber charges, and said, uh, you know, of it, be careful who you tell because I'm not, this is not, really isn't legal. Oh, okay. So you come home feeling kind of, you know, I'm not a licensed barber. And that, so there's so many things going on like that. And it's, it's like, uh, my, my next door neighbors are landscapers and they do most of their work in the Philadelphia area and they have never missed a beat. They're just going, going every day, morning they go, evening they come back. They trim my trees for me, so my trees get trimmed. They're landscaping people's lawns, but you and I can't get a haircut. And so there's just a lot of things that, uh, you know, you're trying to, to wrap your mind around. Uh, I, can drive down, I can drive down the road and pull into Brubaker's car lot. I can't buy a car. They're closed. But I can go up the road to Home Depot and buy a piece of plywood and go home and do whatever. Uh, furniture stores are closed. And... And, and, and but then the other side of it is uh, other places that make uh, kitchen cabinets are open, and it's and some of them hundreds of employees, and it's like what? How how does this work? Who gets to decide that some businesses are essential and some businesses are not essential? Marion and I, our business is non-essential, but there are stores open and thriving who sell our products. In fact, they said it's like pre-Christmas sales. You know, in retail, you live for those weeks before Christmas when sales are just go crazy. And they said, this is like pre-Christmas. Our sales are just tremendous. And yet you and but their big stores are open, little stores are closed. And it's, a lot of it is really hard to understand. And then maybe uh, lastly, another thing to think about is that, that I, I, for the life of me, cannot understand is that everyone, it doesn't matter if you're essential or unessential, whether you're laid off or collecting unemployment, working or retired, in some cases dead or alive, you get a check from the government. We're gonna pay you, unless you're in a real high income bracket. And, and uh, I, I always felt like, you know, every, every year I pay my taxes, I always felt like they really need my money to function, and here they shut the whole economy down and start printing money and hand, handing it out. It's like hard to understand. Has something like this ever happened before? Actually, if you go back to the 14th century, uh, I'm told that there were like 25 million people died from the plague. I believe it was referred to as the, as the Black Plague. And it was estimated to be like one-fourth of the population died. And then fast forward to 1918, the Spanish flu in the World War I era, estimated that 20 to 50 million died during that time. Uh, back then, uh, medical help was very, very limited. And actually at that time, was the only time in history that I can find that a, a lot of businesses closed. I don't know if they were forced to close or not, but a lot of businesses closed. The subway in New York was shut down for a period of time. I didn't even know they had a subway in 1918 in New York, but apparently they did in New York City. But then uh, more recently, in 1957 and 58, a year before I was born, they had what they called the, the Asian flu, which also came from China. 
and was very similar to this flu. There, if you read the history, very similar. And uh, it killed a million people worldwide and was a, was a virus, the H2N2 virus, which was very similar to what we have this time. Now, in, in 1958, the world population was 2.9 million compared to today, 7.7 .7 million. So back then, a million deaths with that kind of a population, and if you compare that to today, where they're estimating there had been 310,000 deaths with a world population of a much, much larger world population. But I think a lot of that you, we can attribute to much better medical care and, and what have you. And maybe also the social distancing played into it. I don't know. I'm not saying it didn't. I'm sure it uh, most, likely, most likely didn't hurt this type of thing. So that's a little bit of, of the history there. Now, I'm sure that uh, all of us observing this thing have a lot of questions and probably some answers, too, which nobody's asking us for. But we have, uh, we have a lot of questions. And this morning, I just want to think about some things in, in light of, of what the Scripture says and what, what, how the, what the Scripture has to say about what we're experiencing right now. In uh, next Sunday, and I told Jim yesterday, I talked to him, I said, I'm going to tramp all over next Sunday's Sunday school lessons. I'm assuming we're not having Sunday school next Sunday. If you looked ahead in your Sunday school book, next Sunday's Sunday school lesson is on Romans 13 on respecting your government and your fellow citizens. And very good lesson. It's a lesson that I need right now. I really need it to, to uh, remind myself that we are to respect our government and our fellow citizens. That means at the national level, President Trump, Mike Pence, Dr. Fushi, and Dr. Burks, people we all learn to know. The state level, Governor Tom Wolf. Dr. Levine, and uh, probably one of the reasons that's, that many of us struggle with, with respect is at the state level, we're asked to respect a doctor who is gender confused and has taken his own father out of a rest home at 95 years old. Is a father or my father, I think? Father or mother, one of them. And, and put her elsewhere while the death rate is so high in rest homes. And you look at that, it's like, wow, this is, this is interesting. And then at the county level, we have our commissioners and our district attorneys to respect as well. And right now, we have a very interesting scenario where the state is saying one thing and the county is saying another thing. So what do we do with it as Christians? First of all, I want us to go to Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20, there's... We have some verses here that I think bring so much clarity to me and to this situation and help us understand uh, what is going on. And it helps me to have such an appreciation for the church. And let me explain. In Matthew chapter 20, we have, starting in verse 20 all the way down to verse 24, we have a very familiar account. We have here the account of uh, the mother of James and John going to Jesus and saying, hey, I want one of my sons to sit in your right hand, the other in your left hand. And uh, Jesus says, well, that's not mine to give. And, and you know the story well. You come down to verse 24. 
It says, when the other ten disciples heard it, they were moved with indignation against the two brethren. And what they wanted to do was, uh, what James and John's mother was attempting to do was to set them up, to give them a position. They wanted to be noted and to have a position uh, sitting there beside Jesus. And this is what, what I want to notice this morning is Jesus' response. Jesus says, after he sees this, he hears the request. He says, I can't do that. And he sees the other ten disciples are upset. In verse 25, Jesus says, but Jesus called unto, unto them unto him and said. Now we have here a teachable moment. In this context, Jesus says, I want to teach you something. And here's what he says. He says, Ye know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and they that are great exercise authority upon them. And today we are seeing that in this world like I have never seen it before in America. Seen it in a lot of other, you see it in a lot of other countries. But our leaders, our government leaders are exercising their authority and dominion over us. Stay at home. Close your business. Do this. Do that. And it's like, and, and the reason that it has caught a lot of us uh, by surprise is we never experienced anything like it. Never dreamt that we would see something like this in, in America. And uh, is, is it real? Do they have, are their reasons legit for doing what they are doing? Do they have the right to say, uh, this is a life-sustaining business, you can stay open. Kitchen cabinets, that's life-sustaining. Uh, you must close. You can carpet, non-essential. You can't lay carpet. You can't do this, you can't do that. But, oh, you sell hand sanitizer? You can be open, that's good. And, and issuing waivers and this type of thing. And we, we see all this, but the, the truth is, it's nothing new. Our government has the right to, uh, uh, to have dominion over us and to exercise authority upon us. It happened back in Bible times, and it's still happening today. And we're just seeing it maybe a little bit more vividly than we ever saw anything like this happen before in America. And now, before we get to Romans 13, to where we're told to, uh, to obey our authority, what I, what I want us to take home this morning, and I'm going to circle around and come back here at the end of the message in 15 minutes. And I, I, wanna, I want you to think about this twice so, because it's so important. This is what I want for you to take home today. That is, and, and it's, it's this simple fact that the church is not like that. The church is different. Jesus here immediately, and, and I think this is so important in the, in the setting we're in, we're calling a pastor to serve at Myerstown, to help in leadership. In verse 26, Jesus says, But it shall not be so among you, but whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister or your servant. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Even as the Son of Man came, not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus, the perfect example of leadership, 
came and served and gave his life for you and I. And that is uh, just an awesome example and, and a pattern for the church. In the church, uh, your leadership does not exercise authority upon you. We lead as shepherds leading sheep. We lead. And so one of the things that I have learned in this whole thing as I've observed is the contrast between the government, which is put there by God, we'll see in Romans 13, and the church, which is, uh, was birthed by, by Christ's death on the cross. And, and those of us who are part of the church, the call out, the ecclesia, the blessing that we have to understand how real leadership works and the blessing it is to be part of the body of Christ and to be led instead of to be rule over. And that is, is just such a blessing. And it, it's given me a newfound appreciation for the church. The government rules top down. This is on display right now. They rule top down. They are driven by worldly wisdom and science. So-called science. That's how, they, that's, that's how they rule. The church leads bottom up. And hopefully that's what we're experiencing in the church. We are, uh, we are led by servant leaders, driven by the word of God and by our blessed Holy Spirit. Some examples of this would be, I can't ask the congregation to do something I'm not willing to do. I can't tell one of you, you're unessential in the church, and the other, you're essential. It's not like that. We are one. We are the body. Go to 1 Corinthians 12, and, and it's every part is essential. Be unthinkable for one of your ministers to stand up here and say, you're essential and you're not. Uh, it's, it's the church. It's the body of Christ. In so many, we value one another. Uh, ministry, in, in my mind, in the church, is so, similar to, is so similar in many ways to parenting, where we must be fair. We must be fair with everybody. And we must say, and I, I've often said over the years, discussing something, it's not fair. And so it's why we must be so careful in leadership that, that we're, we're fair. Like parents must be with their children, you must be fair. You must do your best to be fair. We're not perfect, but we do our best. We're, we're, we're driven by wanting to be fair. We value and we protect all of life, born and unborn. We value each soul. Uh, and, and we see, and it's one of the reasons we struggle with respecting our government leaders is because we see this hypocrisy there where they say, oh, we value the elderly while they're killing the unborn and sanctioning that and, and saying that's, that's fine, and in fact, promoting it in many instances. And so we, we struggle with all that. But we don't see those inconsistencies in the church. And so our, our spiritual minds help us to see things from a balanced and biblical angle. 
And I, I really believe that that's one of the things that, that is happening right now as you and I observe what's going on. We, so many times we say, well, this does not, this doesn't make sense. There's something weird here. There's something, this doesn't make any, any, any sense. And it's because we, we see things through a spiritual lens. And for the most part, our government leaders are not seeing it that way. Another thing is that as Christians, we, we have all come to grips with, a, with something that's true, and that is that we're going to die someday. I'm going to die. You're going to die. We've come to grips with that, and we understand that. And if somebody, if somebody would come to me and say, look, uh, uh, you might die unless we turn the whole economy of, unless we turn the economy of the whole country off, you might die. I would say, my life's not worth, uh, not worth disrupting all those people and their families for, it's not worth it. I'm gonna die anyway sometime. And you know, there's, and so in a rational mind, we weigh some of these things out and we, we think about some of those things. The other thing is, uh, if you look at the Bible and you study the Bible, it's the only time that we find a pattern in the Bible in the Old Testament for dealing with contagious diseases, it involves isolating the sick. You isolate the sick. The lepers were isolated. And, uh, and people with contagious diseases were isolated. You don't find anywhere in the Bible that I'm aware of where they isolated and quarantined the healthy. And so for, from a scriptural standpoint, that's, uh, I believe, the pattern that we have there. Now let's go to Romans chapter 13. Romans 13. And just think briefly this morning about uh, our government and uh, the importance of respecting them. The focus of our Sunday School lesson next Sunday is to submit cheerfully to the government as unto God, and to live in love towards it. Like I said, I need this lesson, and I believe many of us, as we've been thinking about this, uh, it, it's, a, it's a terrific lesson for us to, to think about and, and look at. Now, the Apostle Paul wrote Romans, and he experienced the cruelty of the Romans. And one of the things that stands out to me as I read this chapter is that the Apostle Paul makes no exceptions. Notice in, in chapter 13 of Romans, first verse, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. And so we need to remind ourselves that uh, God has put into place the government that we live under now. And that uh, they are they are put there by God. And Paul makes that very clear. They are ordained of God. And verse 2, he says, Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. And so here again, no exceptions. Just very blunt, as Paul is. Very clear. Uh, respect and obey your government to the best of your abilities. And if you've been struggling, 
like I believe a lot of people have been, including myself, the last few months. Sometimes uh, maybe I've been doing a better job of complying outside than I've been inside. Sometimes it's been like, Ugh, put this mask on to go in this store. This is ridiculous. And those types of things. But the scripture is clear. Obey and respect your government leaders. And so cheerfully uh, do what they ask us to do. Verse 3. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. And I would add to this verse, even when it seems unreasonable and unfair. Even when it unreasonable, seems unreasonable and seems unfair, the scripture mandates us to respect them and to follow uh, their mandates and do what they ask us to do. Uh, there's no, no exceptions in that. Now remember what I said, the government rules top down and we see that on display today. And one of the things that, uh, that I struggle with a lot is the fact that, and I think about this many times, some of you, many of you here are a lot younger than I am, and so you, don't, you can't look back as far as I can look back. But the truth is that in the last 50 years, and I'm sure it probably went back further than that, that the top-down rule has, has just been getting tougher and tougher and tougher. The restrictions, the, the, everything that you need to, to do anything. Sometimes I, I tell people, if you apply for a government job right now, really the only thing you need to know how to say is, you can't do that. Because so often, uh, you, no matter what you want to do, it seems like you go to the township, you go to the, and they, hey, you can't do that. You need, you need to get this and this, and it's very complicated. Uh, 30 years ago, it was, it was a little complicated to get a building permit to build a house, but nothing like it is today. It's awful. It takes a long time, and you've got to go through all this stuff. Uh, we're in the process of, of getting permission to have a Christian school in Myerstown, and I, it's so complicated. Ask Nate. Ask my son-in-law how complicated it is. You go, oh, no, you can't do that. You need to do this. And then you do that, and then they say, oh, no, over here. You need to, and it's just one thing. And you say, well, can I even, it's just very, very complicated. And it, it has, uh, and I could give you many, many examples of that. In the last 50 years, the restrictions and the complications have just gotten worse and worse and worse to the point that, uh, you, you can hardly, it's like, this, this is becoming almost unbearable. But the Apostle Paul says, respect and obey. And, and so it tries out my Christianity and your Christianity as we do that. In verse 4, Paul says, for, speaking of the government, he says, For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. And so I believe the sword here is a figure of speech referring to various forms of punishment that they have. Uh, 
Governor Tom Wolf said last week, I'm going to punish those counties that disobey me. And they, they do. They have, the, they have the ability to, to punish people. And what we're observing today is, in, in, uh, and this doesn't affect many of you, it affects us personally, but we have uh, some of the county leaders saying to, to, go, to Governor Tom Ridge, they're not respecting him. They say, we're opening up anyways. So Lebanon County is now, we're in yellow. Some of the restrictions have been lifted according to the county commissioners, and the district attorney says, I'm not gonna fine or arrest anybody for doing whatever they wanna do, but Governor Ridge says, oh, no, 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 in my, in my map, you're still in red. So where does that put us as, as Christians? And just the whole thing is, is very complicated. And what we're seeing is, I really believe we're, it has become uh, a political thing. We're seeing a power struggle between red governors and blue governors and the president. And here we are as Christians caught in the middle of it and the Bible says respect them. So I don't know what that means for you and for me, but we're supposed to do our best to respect them. Marion and I have an interesting situation. Our, our store is in Lancaster County in Intercourse and it's shut down tight. We're non-essential. The most people we ever have in the store is 10 at a time, most times two or three, but we're non-essential. You gotta be closed. But we're part of Kitchen Kettle Village, which is like close to 50 stores. And so we, uh, there, that's our landlord, so we listen to what they have to say. So Lancaster County says, well, we're going yellow against Governor Ridge's uh, mandate. We're gonna go yellow and, and you can open. District attorney says, I'm not fining anybody. But then Kitchen Kettle says, no, we have a conscience. We're not doing that. We're going to listen to the governor. Okay. As Christians, Marion are like, oh, what is this? How does this, you know? Okay, whatever. And then Tom, Tom, yeah, Tom Wolf says, uh, well, I'm going to punish the counties that, oh, okay. So now we're going to get, not only, didn't, not only are we being obedient to the governor, we're not opening, but because the rest of the county is, he's going to punish the county. Well, guess what? We're in the county. So it's like, uh, try, and figure, try and figure that all out. And so, but Romans says, obey your government, and we need to do that to the best of our ability. You come down to chapter, verse 5 in Romans 13, and it says, Wherefore, you must needs be subject not only for wrath, but also for conscience' sake. And so that's what's important, that we can go to bed at night, have a clear conscience, get a good night's sleep, and not, be, uh, not letting this weigh us down. And then verses 6 through uh, 7, he talks about the importance of paying your taxes. And uh, right now, that all got pushed back. Instead of having to pay your taxes, they say, oh, just wait, wait, here, we'll give you money. I don't understand all that either, but they're, now they're, they're handing money out instead of, of collecting their taxes. And then uh, in Romans 13, verses 9 through 14, it talks about duties towards all. And I don't have time to, to cover that. Read it in your Sunday school lesson. Uh, it's next week's lesson. But the importance of, uh, of, of showing respect to others in our community. And I believe that in this time, it's very important. There are people that are very fearful and there are other people that say, this is a hoax. 
But as Christians, let's be very careful that we're respectful and that, uh, that, we, that we as Christians are a true lighthouse and that we're handling this in a very uh, mature way, that we are respecting our leaders as much as possible and, uh, and that we have a clear conscience in all of it. But most importantly, I want us to, like I said earlier, I want us to leave here today having an appreciation for the body of Christ because we are different. We are different. We're not like that. We are called to respect the government and we're to appreciate uh, the freedom that we have here to respect and to listen to them. Uh, the church is not like that. The government is fleeting. It's going to pass away. It's not lasting. It's not. But the church is everlasting. Everlasting. We get to experience it here and throughout eternity. A shepherd leader. Nothing oppressive about it. And so let's have a newfound appreciation for the church as we uh, continue to enjoy church life. I'm, I'm so grateful that we can be back again worshiping together. And one other thing that just in, in closing, one other comment. I was, uh, I honestly felt very misled. It never feels good to me when somebody intentionally misleads you. When I, I and I believe as the whole ministry team would have said that we felt like we had no choice but to shut down back in the beginning of middle of March, shut down. And we did. There's no, there's no option here. You need to shut down. And it felt really funny two months later when Governor Wolf said, no, you never had to shut down. Churches are exempt. And I, I, out of respect, we would have anyhow. I don't, regret, I don't regret shutting down. But I felt a bit misled. And that never feels good. And, uh, but I think it's, it's to be expected from government. It's not to be, we don't expect that from our church leaders, but from government it's to be expected. And I think we, we experienced that, but I'm thankful that we can be back together worshiping again. And I do know that, uh, this will pass and probably in, in not the two, probably things will somewhat return to normal before too long. Uh, and and we'll, we'll quit reading things like yesterday in the news, California's opening their beaches, but you're allowed to touch wet sand but not dry sand. I don't, I don't understand that. I don't understand that. But somebody, somebody ruling from the top down decided that would be a good mandate to have. And they further clarified it by saying, you can, you can go in the water, but you may not play volleyball on the beach. So, okay. so God bless each one of you. I trust that uh, we will have a, a, a good week this week. And listen to the government, respect them, and appreciate the body of Christ. Because it truly is something that is not only enjoyable, but it's enduring and it's going to last, and I'm so thankful for that. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for each one of my brothers and sisters here this morning. Just ask that you would continue to pour out your blessings upon us. Help us to uh, keep our thought process and our minds in the right place.
at a time like this, help us to respect the government and uh, to do our best to, to maintain uh, a clear conscience. Help us to have patience. And Lord, you know that uh, because of our backgrounds, many of us, it's difficult to sit around and to not do the things we're used to doing. And, but help us to reflect on, on uh, the value of spiritual things and to know that monetary gain and, and all of the material things in this world are all fleeting and will pass away. Help us to have a newfound appreciation for the church. So I just thank you for what you are doing in each one of our lives. Thank you for the attitude that I sense among each one and just ask that you would continue to guide us and direct us. I pray for medical people. I pray for our government leaders during this time. Just pray that you would give them true wisdom and that they would make wise choices. We love you, Lord, and we thank you so much for the body of Christ. Thank you for Jesus and his willingness to come give his life for us. And we also continue to pray for this ordination, Lord. We uh, just ask God, I ask God that you would be working in the hearts and the lives of each one of my brothers and sisters as we think about and as we pray about. And I ask that you would call a godly person, someone that could serve well in leadership here at Myerstown. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Damien.